when God looks down on this congregation and all those who are listening, wherever you may be in the world, he doesn't see Republican, Democrat. He doesn't see rich, poor. He doesn't see educated, uneducated. He sees two things, saved or lost. Early in 2021, the nation was stunned to see angry rioters storm the nation's capital. The incident left five dead and many more injured. What occurred was undeniably wrong. But what does the Bible say people are to do if they feel that government has let them down? Today on Search the Scriptures, Dr. Carl Brogy concludes his message on God and government. This message was originally delivered the Sunday following the Capitol riots. And as we return, Dr. Brogy looks at the role of government and the responsibility of Christians in relation to government. There are three institutions, again, that God established. First, God established the family. Then he established the state. And third, he established the church. Now, the state's fundamental responsibility is not to educate you, not to give you stimulus money, not to give you a job and all these other things it is doing that is going to ultimately bankrupt us. Its job is to protect us. It is to put down evil, and it is to praise good. It is to maintain peace. And so whose prayer does God answer? The prayers of his people. And if we do not pray for the state, then who on earth will? So we are to pray for kings and presidents and governors, all who are in authority, so that we can live a tranquil and quiet life. Again, their job is to keep peace. All the way back in the Old Testament, put out in the margin, a good Old Testament illustration would be Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 5 through 7. Put that out in the margin next to this verse. And let me read it to you. And the context, the prophet Jeremiah is addressing those Jewish people who had been carried away to Babylon as slaves. And he commands these exiles to pray for the welfare and the peace of pagan Babylon. He told them, don't pay any attention to the false prophets among you. Prophets who said, you're not going to be here for 70 years. You're going home soon. He said, don't listen to them. Listen to what he wrote. Build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce you're going to be here a while, 70 years. And that's not some number God pulled out of the air. There is a reason behind it. If you've studied the scripture, take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease, decrease. And then Jeremiah, the prophet instructed them in these, in this way, with these words and seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. Again, this is a secular power. Nevertheless, the godly Jews were to pray for the welfare of the nation of Babylon. And so it is the fundamental duty of the state to preserve law and order. These people who argue that man is intrinsically good, 
They are denying the basic truth that God underscores in the scriptures that man is not intrinsically good, that man is inherently evil. I mean, who wants to live in a city where there is no police force? Who wants to live in a nation where we have no national defense? And it is a sad day in America when the people hate the police and want to defund the police when it is an institution that God has raised up for the protection and the preservation of life, whether it's police or an army, that is God's way to protect people in this world. It is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. So this state is required by God to preserve law and order, and the church is required to pray. Now remember, the Bible gives promises and answer to prayer to his people. There are no promises, not a single one, as we studied recently in our basic discipleship course, not a single promise given to an unbeliever that God will answer their prayer except the first prayer they make calling on Christ and salvation. That does not mean, as we studied, that God can't answer the prayer of an unbeliever, and we looked at some examples where God did that very thing. But the only prayer that God promises to answer of the unbeliever is calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. And so God promises to hear our prayer. We, the church, the body of Christ, those who've been born twice, who've been made new creatures, we are to pray for those who are in authority over us. Why? So that we can lead a tranquil, it's a word that refers to without a lot of outward disturbances, without a lot of violence in the culture, that we can live a tranquil and quiet life. That is a life where there is a certain peace within the culture. Now, as we move to the end of the age, God promises the church will become lukewarm and cold, and so they will be less inclined to pray. And so what will happen? The culture will get more and more and more lawless, and that will set the stage for a one-world dictator known as the Antichrist to step in. But through prayer, God teaches we can hold back many of the troubles from without and some of the unrest from within. And so why does God tell us this? So that I can serve me, myself, and I know so that we can live a tranquil and quiet life. Why does he want us to live a tranquil and quiet life. Why does he want us to have a culture like that? Because of what he says here in verses three and four. Because he says this is good, that is praying for those in authority and the result of the prayer. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And again, I hope you underscored or maybe circled in your Bible the repeated phrase, all men. The church, that is, born-again Christians, are to have a concern for all men. Why? Because God himself has a concern for all men. God the Father so loved the world that he gave his Son. God the Son so loved the world that he gave himself. And God the Spirit so loves the world that he might draw the world to himself. And so prayer is not some selfish thing so that I can enjoy my own personal peace and prosperity. James is going to speak to us when we come to the second chapter about praying with evil motives. No, the purpose of prayer is to get God's will done on the earth. And so among other things, his will is the salvation of souls. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth.
So first of all, God calls us to submit to the government. Secondly, God calls us to pray for the government. But third, God calls us to witness before the government. God calls us to witness before the government. So when addressing our submission to the government, the apostle Peter reminds us of this in 1 Peter 2 and verse 13. I'm going to read verse 13 and then verse 15. Submit yourself... For the Lord's sake, every institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, for such is the will of God, that by doing right, that is submitting yourself to every institution, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Peter is saying one way you can silence your critics is living in a right relationship to the government. Christians should submit to the government for the Lord's sake. That is, for the glory of the Lord and for the glory of his kingdom. Why? Because you are his ambassador. You are his representative. It will silence them. It's a verb that is used to muzzle or to gag like a yelping, snatching dog. You quiet your critics, and there's nothing worse than a Christian who has had an encounter with the law because he has broken the law, and in the process, he has violated his testimony for Christ. Now, sadly, he says that we are to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake, that is, for the glory of the Lord, into every human institution. And God does not qualify that command, only if it's a good government, only if it's a just government. In fact, he says, render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes do, and the word here for tax is a word that can use, be used of any kind of tax, and then he says custom, to whom custom is used, that was what today we'd call kind of an import-export tax, in other words, he's saying all kinds of taxes, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due, so we're to pay our taxes. There was a movement in the 1990s that was advocating that Christians should not pay their taxes because we had a government that was in support of abortion. Listen, God says you pay your taxes. If the government has no money, it has no sword in which to defray the evil of the surrounding nations around them. Fear, or you could translate it as some English text, put it respect or courtesy to whom courtesy is due. I'm sure some of our Marines here, some of our Navy personnel understand that there are certain individuals who are not people of moral principle, but nonetheless they respect the office and they give them the salute that their rank deserves. And so there is to be an honor, there is to be respect, there is to be a courtesy that is shown to people that you may not necessarily like. Honor to whom honor. Peter said it this way, honor all men. Why? Because they're made in the image and likeness of Christ. Don't treat people like scumbags. They're made in the image and likeness of Christ. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. And as a pastor, I think Christian parents sometimes fail in this. I mean, when you discuss the president of the United States or the mayor or the city councilman or the police officer who just wrote you a ticket, do you speak with words of derision? Do you speak uh, slurring remarks? Do your children and your friends know that you pray more for the government than you complain about the government? 
Now, it doesn't mean that if the president or the principal or the school superintendent or the senator or the representative makes a moral decision that is wrong, that you should not address it. I called my state senator this week because she was blocking the bill that was going to put a pro-life bill out on the floor of South Carolina. And I called the man who sat in that position before her, Pastor Pinckney, who for two years stopped a pro-life bill. I pleaded with him one day for 30 minutes. How could he do this as a pastor? You're my senator. You are endorsing the murder of innocent little babies. Listen, we are to speak up. We are to have our voice heard. And when we speak up for what is right and speak against what is wrong, then we are salting up the culture around us. I hope you realize that the Equality Act is a major plank of the Democratic platform, and they hope to have it either passed or implemented in its first 100 days of office. It passed on May the 17th, 2019 in the House, but of course, they did not have enough senators to pass it. Well, that's all changed. And it might remove tax exemptions from Christian schools, Christian colleges, universities, seminaries, adoption agencies, food pantries, and the like that is in violation of the act. And it's very clear if you read it, the wording, that if you fail to implement the LGBTQ plus plus abortion agenda, that you're going to be considered racially discriminating people. Now, I believe that we're living in the latter days because while the second come, while the rapture is not a prophecy driven event, the second coming is. Christ could have come 10 days after Pentecost if he wanted and then fulfilled the rest of the prophecy that would brought about the second coming. But he is fulfilling events for the second coming in our day. Israel is back in the land. God said he would do that at the end of time before the Messiah returns and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives. He would bring Israel back into the land. And there are over 100 nations of Jews today in Israel, approximately 8 million Jews of the 12 and a half million that are on planet Earth. And God is clear they won't all come back. And then he said, added to that, there would be a moral climate like the days of Noah, violence, lawlessness sexual immorality in days of sexual perversion like the days of Lot. And so we need to speak up. It is our responsibility to be salt and light. And those Christian leaders who said we just need to sit on our hands and not vote were wrong and we're going to pay a price for that disobedience. I mean, was it wrong for Moses to confront Pharaoh? Was it wrong for Nathan to confront King David? Was it wrong for Elijah to confront King Ahab? Was it wrong for Eleazar to confront King Jehoshaphat? Was it wrong for Daniel to confront King Nebuchadnezzar? Was it wrong for John the Baptist to confront King Herod? No, it was not. They were living out what God calls us to do. And so while we are to submit even to evil governments, we are to protest when they ask us to do something that is contrary to a higher government that is the government of God. There are many examples. Let me just give you a few. You might want to jot them down. Exodus 1:17. Pharaoh ordered the Hebrew midwives to kill the newborn baby boys, but they refused to. Moses wrote, 
But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. Or in Daniel chapter 3, just write down Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar issued an edict concerning that all the subjects fall down and worship his golden image. And Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah refused. Most of us know them by their pagan names. We should learn their Jewish names. They refused to bow down and worship. Why? Because God had dictated you are not to break the commandment recorded in Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And that's why Daniel refused in Daniel 6 to obey the king's edict. Or in Acts 4, verse 18, the Sanhedrin banned all preaching in the name of Jesus. And the apostles, Peter and John, responded in, in Acts 4.18, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Or again in Acts 5, the religious leaders once again confront Peter and the other apostles because they had disobeyed their authority and they kept preaching and filling the streets with the message of Jesus. We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than men. They did not cause a rebellion, nor did they question or deny the authority of the council. In fact, they spoke with them with the greatest amount of respect. They referred to them as rulers and elders of the people. And it's very important that we respect the office, even though we cannot respect the man or the woman in the office. And as much as possible, we should try to cooperate with government in order to obey the law. Every time we build a new building, we follow the building codes. Why? Because that's not something that is too difficult to do. We need to do it because it's for the protection of the people. But the government cannot tell me what I can preach. God dictates that. They can tell me how to maintain a safe building, but they cannot tell me what to preach. And I know my son Jordan and I were in a discussion just a couple of days ago, my son Jordan, my wife and myself, and we were FaceTiming him. He said this, you know, mask issue is obviously going to get bigger. And I said, yeah, it's going to get bigger under Biden. No question. He's got a plan. He said, and I think he wisely said, he said, Christians need to choose where, what hills they're going to die on. He said, you know, when Jesus said, if they ask you to carry a pack, carry it two miles, go the second mile. He said, Dad, if they ask me to wear one mask, if need be, I'll wear two. Now, wherever you come down on masks, and I know people are all over the map, that should be your spirit, a spirit of submission and respect. This is not some moral issue. We've got some issues we're going to have to deal with coming on the pike like we've never seen in American history. And so the purpose for the apostles rebelling was their submission to God. And if you op oppose the law of man in order to obey the law of God, then you do what's right. But if you obey the law of man and in the process you break the law of God, then you do what is wrong. And the Bible plainly teaches us that if the state commands you to do what God specifically forbids, then you respectfully disobey. Remember Daniel, he's thrown into the lion's den. Some of the nobles had tricked the king into signing into Persian law a document 
so that anyone who did not pray as dictated would be executed. And so they caught Daniel praying three times a day. And so, if you remember, the king did everything he could to try to figure out how he might deliver Daniel, because he liked him and he respected him. But he had the law of the Medes and the Persians. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will deliver you. Then the king went off to the palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. He fasted not for religious reasons, but simply he couldn't eat. Neither was there any entertainment in the palace that night. He couldn't sleep. Then, verse 19, the king arose with the dawn at the break of the day and went in haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. And you can hear the anguish of his voice as they looked through that opening down into a dark hole, not really knowing what had happened. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. I love his greeting. Even in the lion's den, even having been placed there by a king who could have taken his life, with respect, O oh, king, live forever. That's the kind of respect that we need to speak with our government officials. You can respectfully disobey, but it's to be a respectful disobedience. Finally, just very quickly, just for a moment, God calls us not to hope in the government. God calls us not to hope in the government. Listen, my joy as a Christian is not predicated whether Donald J. Trump is the president or Joseph Biden. It is to be in the Lord. Our hope is not to be in the governments of this world. It is to be in God's government. And in these last days, more and more people, not just in our nation, but across the world, vocally and enthusiastically, is opposing the word of God. Remember what Psalm 2 says, King David wrote, Why are the nations, the goyim, the Gentiles, in an uproar? And the people's devising a vain thing. So the Goyim, the Gentiles, they were the unbelievers of the day. Why are these unbelievers in an uproar and the people's devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed saying. Now, if you remember the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, they actually quote verse 2. The early church understood that Herod or Pontius Pilate was like the Gentiles that King David is saying, speaking of, that had taken their stance against God. They say, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Oh, the people of this world, they tell us that as Christians, that you shouldn't hold to these moral absolutes that we are narrow-minded, that if a boy wants to become a girl, or if a girl wants to call himself a boy, or if they, you know, want to practice intimacy with someone of the same sex, or they want the right to take a little baby in the womb, that we should not stop them. And like adolescent children, the nations of the world have set themselves contrary to God's truth, but listen to what God the Father says. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. 
But as for me, I have installed my king, that's the Messiah, upon Zion. That's the Temple Mount. That's where he's going to rule and reign, the scripture teaches. Upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. And so the father now warns the people of the world. Therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence. And rejoice with trembling to homage to the son that he not become angry and you perish in the way for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are those who take refuge in him. This psalm speaks of God's Messiah, the Lord Jesus, who someday will prevail. He will rule. He will reign. It's a reminder that God is on his throne, that sin cannot win, that faith in the end will conquer, that God's truth will prevail because there's coming a day when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever and ever. And what God says we know by faith will someday happen. He is the ruler of the kings of this world. And while the world's governments may oppose God's people, they will ultimately see the glory of God and the victory of Jesus. He is spurned. He is rejected. He is spat upon. He is lied about. They mock him. They make fun of him. They use his name in vain. But unless you identify with God the Son, you will spend an eternity wishing that you had. Look, when God looks down on this congregation and all those who are listening, wherever you may be in the world, he doesn't see Republican, Democrat. He doesn't see rich, poor. He doesn't see educated, uneducated. He sees two things, saved or lost. You're either in the kingdom of his son or you're in the kingdom of darkness. And if you die in the kingdom of darkness or Christ comes back finding you in that kingdom, you'll spend an eternity there. And that's not God's desire. We just read he desires all men to be saved, and you can be saved if you will call upon Jesus for salvation. Our Father, we thank you today for your word, a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And we are living in days of violence of growing lawlessness. You alone knows what is in front of us this week, but we pray for our nation. We pray for our troops, our National Guard, our police, and our various state capitals this week that they would be able to put down what is evil and put up what is good. Father, I don't know if this election was stolen or not. All I know is that you've given us the leader that we have. And the expiration date has come and gone on our ability to change that. So help us not to be foolish Christians filled with conspiracy theories and other things that will play themselves out before the week is over. But help us to be people who are in submission to the government, who earnestly praise for the government, who is respectful of the government, who witnesses to the government, but help us ultimately never to put our hope there because these kingdoms and these nations we know ultimately will perish and crumble. 
but you promise the one who does your will will live forever. So help us to be that kind of believer. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. To listen again to today's message, God in Government, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can order a CD or DVD copy by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program GAG21. Remember that Search the Scriptures is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you would like to help sustain this ministry, click the Give button on our app or at searchthescriptures.org. Or you can call at 877-787-7478. We hope that you will join us tomorrow as we continue to search the scriptures.